patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicated to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 65 of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I'm your host, Sherman Tylowski. Thank you so much for joining us this week. As a brief reminder, make sure you subscribe to our email list. You'll get episode notifications, promotions, special announcements, and other amazing content from our email address. It's a great way to engage with our show, not just subscribing but also really finding new ways to communicate with the program as well as get notifications for special offers, which will pop out at any time of my choosing. (laughs) I want to now take this time to, first of all, recognize uh, Veterans Day, which was celebrated on November 11th, uh, earlier this month. And this episode is going to be a tribute to Veterans Day and American veterans, but perhaps in a slightly different manner. This is a story about a battle that is largely forgotten, but one that really exemplified what American leadership was in the military and what American leadership would bring about across our nation. In 1781, the Northern Campaign was proving too much for General Washington and for the Continental Army. But the British decided to change their strategy. They decided, instead of focusing on the Northern Campaign, they decided to shift towards the Southern Campaign and to have the British go into the Carolinas. They felt that they were able to cut off sources of ammunition, of troops, and transportation, uh, modes of transportation um, against the colonists. And they thought they were able to do that in the Carolinas and also to rally support for the loyalists and for those who may be scattered all across the region. This was a way to really come up through the South with one general coming from the north and really cutting off the patriot cause. The British sent General Charles Cornwallis to the Carolinas, and the British actually got a lot of huge victories, including Charleston and Camden, both in South Carolina. And the plan was for Cornwallis, with his huge army, to pursue a, an army of continental like militias, um, and as well as uh, some other militia groups, related groups, really a lot of poorly trained troops, essentially, led by General Nathaniel Green. And Green was in North Carolina at the time, and Cornwallis was in South Carolina, moving towards that army. Now, the British had already tried something where they tried to lure uh, Patriot soldiers away from the larger armies, uh, but it didn't really work out. And so Nathaniel Green, who is 
one of the most underrated generals in the American Revolution. Uh, he he was probably a little smarter than a lot of people at the time, particularly the, the folks in the British Army, maybe. As respected as Cornwallis was, what Nathaniel Green was going to do was going to change the, the not only the Southern campaign, but the trajectory of the American Revolution. He sent a man named Daniel Morgan to lead a small number of troops going west to the South Carolina countryside. And his job was to figure out a way to weaken Cornwallis's military. And so more Daniel Morgan, who is this guy? Uh, I had never heard of him up until maybe a couple years ago. And I've, it's really sad because when the more I read about someone like him, the more I realize that veterans like him, while unknown, still very much focused on the larger mission at hand, which is to fight for the cause of freedom, the fight for opportunity, even at the expense of weakened advantages or just plain disadvantages. Daniel Morgan led some of his troops into the South Carolina countryside. And Cornwallis had an idea. He knew that he needed to pursue Daniel Morgan. So he gets this guy who has a very, very snazzy name. And he was actually probably, I guess we don't have any footage of him, obviously, but he'd probably be one of the snobbiest Englishmen you probably, you've probably ever met. And this guy's name is Bannister Tarleton. Tarleton, through you know, wealth and power and all the rest, he was able to rise up pretty quickly as a young man and was now given the task by General Cornwallis to pursue Morgan's army in South Carolina. And so Tarleton brings his men and he sets off to chase after Morgan. Well, you know what happens when you run and run and run, you, you're walking pretty much all day, all night. You know what happens? It, you start to get a little tired. <laughs> well, Tarleton's men certainly felt that way because through all that trekking, trying to chase Morgan, these red coats were so exhausted with you know trees in the way and everything like it it was it was bad for them they could not stand this ridiculous chase morgan knew that he was essentially uh making them real tired but he had a, a different plan too he decided to find a space in south carolina where the natural elements of the land of the terrain were going to give his poorly trained army an advantage over these tough redcoats. Now, Tarleton, as snobbish as he is, he was known as a very tough guy. In fact, he was so tough that he was actually kind of viewed as like a like a butcher, you know, like some like some basically someone who didn't even care for human life. Especially some of those uh, defeats when Tarleton essentially commanded that the British go and literally execute uh, members of the Patriot Army. It's just a horrific, horrific record. 
Morgan divided a plan, devised a plan to convene his army at a place called the Cowpens, which, as the name kind of suggests, was where farmers used to congregate their cattle and their livestock um, and then have them kind of graze for a while before they're sent to the coast where they would be traded and sold. What's great about this terrain for Morgan was that this field looked very open, but there were all these like little hills because of how it was grazed. It actually gave Morgan a bit of like a like a sneak attack sort of advantage where they can hide behind what appears to be just like maybe like an innocent bush or an innocent little hill, but in fact was a great def- defense position. And so as Tarleton's chasing Morgan, Morgan devises the specifics. He tells his men while gathering all his troops around, again, many of them really don't have much training at all. In fact, this was actually one of the big problems that the Continental Army was facing, was that he just had way too many people who didn't know what they were doing. But nonetheless, Morgan sits down with his troops and said, here's my strategy. We're going to have three lines, and instead of the conventional method of putting regulars and all the rest first, we're going to have some marksmen for the first line of defense. For the second line of defense, we're going to have the militia. Then in the third line of defense, we're going to have our regulars. In the very back, we'll have our reserves. And the men were like, well, why, why, why would we be doing this? Well, the strategy was to not only pick off and make the British think that with just a handful of men in the front, they were retreating. It was also so that they could save their ammunition and to ensure that the British were going to be caught off guard. So they're at Calpens and Tarleton's come in. Now, again, he's exhausted, just like everybody else. And they see yeah, just a handful, what they thought was just a handful of marksmen. And these marksmen start firing. But Morgan said one thing too. He said, I want you to fire once, maybe twice or three times. And once you inflict the most damage in your shots, I want you to retreat. I want you to withdraw and join the ranks behind you. So as to throw off the British. The other thing too, as this, even as the battle, the beginning of the battle was going on, Morgan was a man who kind of looked like, was a bit of a tough guy. Comes from the Virginia Shenandoah Valley, but he's uh, he is, you know, not the not the most disciplined person out there, so to speak. Uh, but he had experience in Saratoga. He obviously had a lot of connections, but he was also one who was so good at persuading people and at leading people at tough times. He, and, and, the, and when it was pitch dark and all the troops, probably many of them weren't even sure that any of this was going to work out for, for the Patriot cause. He went from campfire to campfire, from tent to tent and spoke to them about the horrors of living under British rule. 
He told him why this cause is worth fighting for. He told him his own personal experiences. One of the funniest stories from Daniel Morgan's life was that when he refused to serve a British soldier, soldier actually lashed him and whipped him, essentially. And he was supposed to be whipped 500 times. And the story goes is that the officer actually lost count and lashed him 499 times. And so Morgan was like, well, I'm not going to let them whip me for the one lash that they still owe me. (laughs) Morgan is one who is personable. He not only explains the plan to them, but he, he jokes with them. He understood the importance of building that personal connection. Even though he is the commander, he knows that every single one of these individuals has been sacrificing so much and he wants them to go home at the end of a victory. And so as the battle starts, and this is kind of a simplified version, but you can get the hang of what Morgan was thinking and why Tarleton, the snobbish British folk, British guy, was so thrown off. What happened was that when the first line of Morgan's defense withdrew, then the militia started to fire. And as the British inched closer, well, Tarleton thought, <laughs> this, is, this is the prime opportunity to show these rebels just how ridiculous their cause is. They will never, ever penetrate my offense. And he just sees this so-called retreat. And all the other British forces also think that this is this has got to be some kind of retreat that they didn't expect. Well, as they got closer, now to the third line of defense, with quite a bit back and forth, the British army did try to penetrate from the left and right flanks of the Continental Army. But that's where Morgan knew that he got Tarleton right into a huge trap. As Tarleton's army inches forward, they realize that there is still a whole band of Continental Army members, uh, untrained soldiers, but just a bunch of people who got that motivation from Daniel Morgan himself start and as they were loading their muskets, as the British were doing that slow advance, they started firing on the British forces, taking them by surprise. The Connell army was even able to outflank the British army by approaching their left and right hand sides. The British started panicking like, Oh my God, this is what no, no one saw this coming. Where did these people come from? And they just completely scramble. The forces are completely disbanded. Tarleton and his men start fleeing. And it turned out to be one of the biggest upsets in the course of the American Revolution. Tarleton came into this battle with about 1,200 troops, lost about 110, 
with 200 plus wounded, 600 plus captured or missing. Just an outright failure. And Tarleton is just running for, for his life. And he runs back to Cornwallis. And I kind of wish that we could go back in time and see the rage in Cornwallis's face when he realizes that Tarleton was supposed to do his job and take care of Morgan. Well, not only did he not do that, but he's coming back here panting, <laughs> just desperate for any kind of relief from this wicked attack. Quite a quite a battle. And the Kano army, they lost only about 25. Over 100 wounded, but still far less than the British casualties. When Morgan was telling them about this plan, they said, he said, three fires and you're free. And then when you return to your homes, how the old folks will bless you and the girls kiss you for your gallant conduct, unquote. He really captured what this fight was all about. He cared about the well-being of his troops. He also gave them an incentive to win this battle, to not push too far. Because even though they were enlisted in this continental army, like I said, these people, a lot of these soldiers were not professionally trained. And in fact, they were just a bunch of people with guns who didn't like the British. That's pretty much a good way to good way to sum up a lot of these people. But despite the military disadvantage, he gave them a purpose, a higher purpose to fight. I, I really appreciate just how persuasive that is. Not just in the military, but really as a leadership lesson. Morgan would describe this as a devil of a whipping. It certainly was very much true. The Battle of Calpens is largely an unknown battle nowadays, yet it prompted Cornwallis to travel to Yorktown, where just nine months after the January 1781 Battle of Calpens, Lord Cornwallis would surrender his army and the major fighting of the American Revolution would end. I reflect on this story today to all of you about Daniel Morgan and Battle of Calpens because I hope that with every single Veterans Day, we take some time to remember those who's, who didn't have the biggest names who may not have pursued any kind of fame, but they wanted to pursue a vision of a life far better than the ones that they were living. That is how Daniel Morgan led his troops. He told them about the difficult circumstances that they were living through, but he also did an amazing job of presenting what every single person in that army was looking for, which was a life where they can return back to their families, knowing that they have delivered a victory for their cause 
and for their children and for their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Again, none of these people knew what exactly would happen after the end of the war. But that didn't matter for Daniel Morgan. It didn't matter for the fact that the basis of the American military was actually just a group of volunteers who had very little training. It wasn't until later when Baron von Steuben came along and he trained a few troops, but still there were a number of people in the military who didn't have that training, but who had that sense of higher purpose. That is important. That is why we honor them. We honor for their service and for what they give to our nation and for the prosperity and the freedoms of future generations. This podcast is all about honoring those who served in combat, in leadership. George Washington certainly is perhaps the most prominent person whom we can think about when we think of those who served. He literally served in the military and served in public office. But let us not forget people like Daniel Morgan, who might not be the most disciplined person out there, might not be the most well-trained, but he was smart. He understood that taking advantage of an enemy's confidence is certainly one way to win the battle, but he never lost touch of the vision where this group of volunteers were going. I hope that this is a really great reflection of just the sense of higher duty that veterans have for our nation. And we are eternally grateful for those who served our nation, those who continue to serve, and those who will serve in the United States Armed Forces for years to come. Thank you so much for listening to this episode about Brigadier General Daniel Morgan and the Battle of Calpens. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to check out our website to subscribe to our email list at shermantaloski.com for the latest on promotions, announcements, and episode notifications, and more. Have a great rest of your day and rest of your week, and remember, a day in America always gets better when we are with our friends and fellow citizens.